This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Best of the rest. Not another Ronnie Barron podcast. We are the best of the rest. The best Nerdy Legion podcast. Let's hear it. Well, good evening. Welcome to Best of the Rest, Episode 4. I'm Dennis, and with me tonight again is Jay. Good evening, or afternoon, or morning, or whoever you are, if you're listening. I mean, we're Oh, yes, I, I guess I am being biased on the evening part. <laughs> well, it is evening for us, but, you know, who knows when people are listening, so. This is true. This is true. How are you tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Okay, so, um... We're going to be talking independent comics tonight, and while doing that, enjoying a few adult beverages. So tonight, I, you know, I may have tried this on a, I may have been doing this on an earlier episode, but tonight I'm drinking Maker's 46. Ooh. Just, Ooh. Some, just some straight Maker's 46 on the rocks. It's, wow. it's, a, it's a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more over on the pricey side. You can usually find a bottle for about $45, but it's, um, I don't think it's a single barrel or something, but it is a little bit more than your regular Maker's Mark. Uh, I think it's a blend, but I'm not real. I don't know. I remember enough about it. It's been a yeah. while since I've had it. It's just 94 proof and everything, so that should loosen things up as we go through the night. It what makes itself. It makes a good mint julep. I, I know. I, I know that. I've used it. Which, which is not a girly drink. <laughs> not I'm a girly drink right now. Not, not if it's done properly, like you said. I don't care what Aaron Bell says, but. Uh, I think it was Aaron that said called it a girly drink. But anyway, yes, yes he did. But, well, I'm also I'm in a very similar vein, except I'm just drinking a kind of like your low end Weller bourbon. Oh, have you had it before? Yeah, I have. Okay, all right. Uh, yes, yeah, so I think that's the best value for the price is the Wellers. And I did it. Uh, I fixed it up your style, one ice cube. <laughs> yep. One ice cube and a good splash of the Wellers. Exactly. Okay. So, tonight, I believe we will be talking about Department H by Matt Kent yes. from Dark Horse. Dark Horse, yes. So, um, I think issue 19 just came out a couple of weeks ago, was it? Was it 19 or 16? Uh, 16, I believe. Okay. But I, st- I only got the floppies through the first six issues, and, I'm, and now I'm starting to get the, uh, I want to get the collected hardcovers. Okay, so you haven't progressed through it as far as I have. Yeah, I've only got through issue 12. Which, okay, well, that's good. Well, no, we can get a flavor of it. You know, as we've stated before, we're not doing a, a review of the stories themselves, but kind right. of, we will give an overview, so there will be maybe a few spoilers in there, but we'll try to, try to, try to keep it to a minimum. As we discuss everything. So, Matt Kent, um, do we want to talk about the story first or the art? Because sometimes the art is uh, kind of what brings up the conversation with people. I'm really indifferent. Let's we'll start wherever you want to start. Okay. So, Department H, basically... And, you know, usually we kind of give a background on things, but the interesting thing about Department H is... There's a lot of background stuff going on in the Department H world that is left unsaid or you still haven't quite figured out. Uh, apparently, it's an independent – Department H is an independent research or exploratory um, 
organization uh, founded by uh, Harry. Oh, what is their last name? Because they never really say anything past the first issue. But yeah, but anyway, so it's, it's founded by this adventurer, as for lack of a better world, word, who's financed by a billionaire. And you have flashbacks where at some point they went into space. I don't know if it was deep space or not. Um, they were looking for life or other things, got discouraged, and now they're looking in the depths of the ocean. So right. what, what exactly they're looking for, I don't know. And all the flashbacks hint at they're exploring. But when you come to the present, it appears there's a plague or something going on, and they're trying to find a vaccine or a cure or something. Yes. Well, the sort of the center of the story, the protagonist is, I think it's it's, it's Harry or Hari. It's H A R I is the way they spell it. Uh, Harry, Hari, and his two children. Mia, who Mia is the protagonist of the yes. main character of the story, and she has a brother Raj. And yes, their father's a scientific explorer, and they've grown up in that same uh, mindset. And they've they're looking the way I understood it. They're just looking for new life forms. Mm-hmm. And they, they started out doing space exploration, didn't find anything. And so they turned to deep sea exploration where they knew they would find you know, new and uncatalogued uh, life forms. The problem is Mia had no interest in the deep sea exploration. She she preferred the outer space. Yes. But because, and that's because in the flashbacks growing up, you know, Harry already had his department age and they were already doing some... I don't know if it was deep sea exploration because they were in like um, exotic locations going into um, like the sinkholes in Latin America. And they've got a term for them that I cannot think of right now. Uh, exploring those and right. and other areas associated, I think, with almost with ancient cultures. And then they went into space and now they're deep sea. But I guess the main thing of the, the, the story is so Mia didn't care for the sea so she went to work for scotland yard and well basically you know she investigates crimes and she's down in the undersea base because she's notified that her father's been murdered and she needs to go down and find out who did it and that's and that's the that's the setup in the first issue yes well yeah but a lot of people are not saying murder they're saying a lot of people are saying you know the, the people who are running Department H and the the higher ups they're all saying accident they're not well, anything murder she pretty much is of the opinion from straight off that he has to, it has to have been murder and so she goes yeah that's the issue first issue is her going down to this undersea uh, laboratory Department H which is a sub organization of a of a larger organization called USEER U S E A R Underwater what's it called? Underwater Science Exploration and Research. And this was a department that was created specifically for her father, Hari. And he runs it and all of the people that are working at this underground facility were hand picked by Hari to be on this team. Yes. And that that becomes significant 
as the story progresses. Yeah, because if he, you know, if if it was an accident, it's an accident. But if he was murdered, it has to be one of his hand-picked team members, people that's probably some of them that's been with him for decades. Right. And a couple of people, the person that sort of the head of this UCR organization, he doesn't want her to go down there. Another person, Alan, who she has a, has had a past romantic relationship, he doesn't want her to go down there. They're of the opinion that if the murderer is there, he's he's he or she is stuck down there. Or they can't get away uh-huh. you know, from this underwater. So there's no need to go down there. But she's adamant about doing this. She, she's determined that she's going to find out who murdered her father. Exactly. So that's kind of setting up the premise of the story. Um, but as you go through the books, it seems like that's almost the backstory. Um. Because, like I said, so, I mean, that's how issue one starts. But then you've got several issues where you're having flash while she's trying to think through, you know, the crime scene or accident scene and everything where she's flashing back and remembering relationships she had with the members of, of Hari's team from when she was growing up and everything. Like right. uh, when she first met Roger and how Roger treated her and her mother, um, Raj, how they grew up together. I think he was the younger brother. She was older in that relationship. Um, yeah, I think so. What's interesting about this book, the way it's written, and this may be interesting, if you've not read it and you're familiar with Kent's other work, actually, I've read the first, essentially, two volumes. And there's the first six issues are volume one, the second six are volume two. And Kent, this is very different from a typical Kent book. One of the things that I hear, and I don't know if you do too, when people discuss Matt Kent's writing, whether it be for his Valiant stuff or his other independent, is that Kent writes in a very, what people, a lot of people term a slow burn. The stories start off kind of very slow and start build and build and build. That is exactly the opposite with this book. I mean, yeah. from really from the first issue, it is fast paced through really through the ent- entire first arc, especially. But I mean, there's just a thousand things happening, and it's very different from what you might have experienced with other writings by Matt Kent. Yeah, and I think that's kind of you know intentional because you're tr- you're kind of feeling. Um, the mindset of Mia because, you know, she's down there. She's trying to solve what she thinks is her father's murder. So, you know, she's working a case, but it's also her father. So she's having to deal with that. She's got people there that she's kind of estranged from or haven't spoken into in a while. Um, you know, I think her and her brother's relationship is kind of broken. So, you know, all that's going on. Um, the investigation you know, and it's and it's kind of typical in a trope when in a situation like this, somebody starts sabotaging stuff. So now you've got your deep underwater, uh, you've got a saboteur and doing things to the base. Um, one of the uh, team members has apparently gone crazy or is infected or something. You've got the surface calling down, uh, you know, trying you know, trying to keep them updated and all that, and you just kind of feel all this. Like Mia, she can't get a second to even think. 
and that's kind of exactly exactly how the writing is and all the all the stuff that's going on. Just when you think there's a breather, it lasts for a panel or two. Boom, something else happens. Yes, and I think that's what speaks to what you were talking about earlier. Then the because of all this stuff happening, and it, I mean things start going to hell quickly. And because of all this, the whole thing about investigating her father's murder that just gets pushed way off to the side because these people are trying to now now trying to survive. Yeah, and, and and that's what's interesting. It's all set up as this murder mystery, but the murder mystery, you're lucky if you get a page or two in an issue <laughs> thinking yeah. about it or doing anything. And what it ends up being is Mia sitting there trying to get some time by herself because she's sitting there going, I've seen the crime scene. She also has a photographic memory. Uh, I think it's called something else. Eidetic memory. Yes, eidetic memory. So she remembers everything. So she's just she's trying to sit there and focus because she thinks she has all the information and her subconscious is telling her I know who it is and she's just trying to get a chance to think and she just can't. I don't have has so we're like at issue sixteen and I don't know how many days this is, has has she even slept or has this even, has sixteen issues even gone through a full day yet? Yeah, it has because I remember I think in the it was in the first when somewhere in the first six issues in the first arc. She talks about not having slept for three days. So some time has passed, but not a lot of time. Uh, but for three days, even for 72 hours, a lot of shit has happened in this <laughs> And And again, that's not typical Kent. No, it's not. Um, it, it really, really is rapid fire. Just things happening on top of another. And on top of everything else, with the sabotage or apparent sabotage of this base, we see them. Uh, well, there, there's an event that happens that causes Mia and Raj to have to go out and try to repair an antenna. They start having communication problems, and something they get attacked by a giant creature. She's knocked unconscious and taken back to the to the base by one of the other people but Raj is missing and they go looking for him and they find are going to this cave which her father had discovered early on in this exploration but has not really let any of the other members go into that cave uh-huh. and in there is all sorts of bizarre creatures uh, I mean some really strange Kent must have had a lot of fun <laughs> drawing them because they are exceedingly strange yeah and you know that's part of the the ecosystem, and you know, that's actually the most the part of the book that I find most intriguing. And I guess that's something we're not going to spoil because you kind of you, you kind of have to get through that whole. And, and you know, it's not just creatures, but it's an entire ecosystem and how, yeah. how they all relate to each other. So Kent had to sit there and really kind of think about how these, you know, how the food chain is organized, how these creatures are going to interact with each other, how the uh, environment. You know, they've kind of shaped everything and like that. And some of it's given away on the covers, which is what I find intriguing. Because, you know, I'd get this cover, you get the cover, and you'd see this on there, and it's like, what is that? And it wouldn't be in that issue, but then the next issue, it would be talking about what was kind of on the cover of the previous issue. Uh, right. But you, now you've kind of got that playing in. And, it, and I almost want to think it's got a little bit of mysticism to it, but... You keep thinking, well, it's this this ecology and these creatures that are causing all this stuff that's happening in the base, but you may go two or three issues when everything's happening and you don't see anything there. So it's, 
I don't know. There's just a lot going on in this book. It's kind of it's it's really hard to put your finger on what the main thread is. I agree, and I think that's deliberately. I think Kent is setting it that way so that you don't know. And I mean, they're all interwoven, uh, but there's like three or four different things going on, and it's not what the first issue set up. <laughs> no. Like you say, it every once in, in every issue or so, there may be a, a paragraph or a dialogue box or something that alludes to it, talks harkens back to her father. Mm-hmm. But it's it's certainly not. It, it it becomes more a little more relevant in the second arc because another th- way that Kent's kind of structuring this, not in a typical way. Is that the first six issues, first volume, first arc, is just really rapid, rapid fire, and we, we, all these things are happening, and you, you get glimpses of these characters, but you don't really know anything about them. And in the second volume, that's where we start getting background information, you know, very much delayed because Mia, through some circumstances, Mia and this other character, Roger, who was her father's best friend and business partner are trapped in this compartment and they're waiting to be rescued and they're kind of have time to talk and she's confronting him and she says to the fact that by this point she is so fed up with all these people she wants to get into the first escape capsule and go and just let them all drown let them all die she's so fed up with these people and Rogers tells her you know you really don't know any of these people your father handpicked all these people and a big part of the second arc, and they, and they kind of focus on each, each issue focuses on a different character, where Roger's sort of giving them the back, her, her the background story of this person. Yeah, it's kind of like the reverse, uh, where you know you're suspicious of this individual, and then you get the background on them, and it's like, well, there's no way they would have killed him. And then you go on to the next, and okay, it must be this guy. And then you hear the background on them, it's like, well, no way it could have been him or her. And you kind of progress through them like that. So, yeah, that is the second arc setting that up. So, you know, maybe the second arc does slow down a little bit from the standpoint of you're now getting some character development on these people that have been kind of flitting in and out of the scenes in the first arc. I felt it was a little bit more slower pace. Not much. I mean, not slow by any means, but a little more measured just by with this character Roger kind of giving these background and you're right it's by the end of the first arc you see all these people and and you kind of had these stereotype impressions of them as kind of none of them really cared about this guy Hari they all seem to be self-centered in some way out for their out for themselves and then Roger starts telling these background stories and it just complicates everything because you think okay these people are not at all what I thought, and they're certainly not what Mia has come to think. And so it really complicates it and makes it even more difficult to, if she ever does get around to solving her father's murder. It may be another 24 issues. Well, that's the other issue thing. I'm not sure. I'm wondering how many issues this is going to go. Because did you notice what he did on the edges of the pages? Of each issue? Um, some of them I've noticed that, but I haven't sat there and kind of put them all out there in front of me to kind of see. But I do know 
um, aren't the arcs consecutively numbered in issues? Yeah, but what he's done on the on the outer edge of each page, it's there's a line drawn down that uh, cuts off about the, or that draws off about the last quarter inch of the page, and that's divided into twenty four sections, twenty four little rectangles. And each issue, like on the first issue, the the first the bottom square is colored in blue, like water. Then the second issue, the second one, the third, the fourth, fifth, sixth. So each issue, they're coloring in a different, another square, as if giving this impression of water rising. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, had, only, I had not noticed that. And there's only 24 squares on this. So you're thinking, okay, what happens if do they get after the 24th issue? Or is that all there's, is that all there's going to be? Well, I don't think any much of Kent doesn't have any, um, I don't know, any work that's gone on for really long, long runs, has he? Um, I, I, not, not exceptionally long. I'm trying to I, think of some of his other work and not get it mixed up with Lemire. Right. So I, was about I to mean, say, mind management, mind management went on. That's right. He did do mind management, and that one that was like forty something issues. Yeah, I mean, I know it's seven volumes, covers seven volumes. So yeah, he has done something. So I don't know. I mean, they they can get around it, I'm sure. But that was just something I noticed. It's like, okay, you've got you've you've painted yourself on a corner here with this little um, visual device because now you've got twenty four issues to work with, but. I think if he wants to go more, he'll certainly find a way around that. <laughs> maybe, maybe the 24 is the true length of the arc, first arc. Yeah, could be. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying the story and everything and his writing. Um, I know some people have a few issues with the arc. So Matt Kent's not only is he writing it, but he's also uh, the artist. And I think his, his wife coloring it. Yes, his wife Charlene is coloring it using watercolor, which is very appropriate for the story. And, and I do, and and it kind of fits the stock of the paper for the book too. It's not your um, really thin stock either. No, and it's not the glossy stock. It's 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 not newsprint, but it kind of the texture almost is reminiscent of newsprint to me. Mm-hmm. And the way the coloring done, it, it has a very older looking style yeah so i mean his his um his art is oh how would you best describe it it's not anatomically correct but it gives the it gets the point across it gets the story across um i mean it, it's fine for the mood and the environment he's trying to set i i love the coloring because coloring is making you think it's it's underwater there's limited lighting it's kind of fluorescent um kind of some earth, earthy tones with the dark blues of, of the sea. And so it, it kind of really works, especially with the watercolor. I agree. And on, it is, I'm, I don't know, I've struggled with trying to come up with descriptors for Kent's art. On the one hand, you want to say, yeah, he doesn't draw anatomically correct, but I can flip through and I look at a page and there's a character, or there's a, panel where he's drawn the character's hands and they're almost anatomically perfect. Um, 
Well, and then you look at then you look at one character on one page, and the face is drawn one way, and a few pages later or in another issue, the face is drawn and it's different. And I don't think it's because I don't think it's a lack of skill by saying can't can't draw faces. I'm thinking all oh, that's deliberate choices. He's just making saying, all right, in this panel, I need to draw the face this way. And some of them are more seemingly more realistic or more uh, than others. But I think that's all deliberate choices on his part. Yeah, I mean, it could be. And it kind of turns some people off. But, um, I mean, I like it. It fits the story. fits the mood. Um, you know, and I'm kind of excited to kind of see where, you know, where it's all going. I mean, it's it's definitely got a lot of elements to it that I wasn't uh, suspecting when I first picked it up. Right. Yeah. It was different for me too, especially the the pacing. That was the most the most different because having read Kent through Valiant and Mind Management, a couple other things, it, it's the pacing is definitely different than what he than what most people think it was typical for him. Yeah, and and the other thing I kind of liked about it, and I, it's not been so much in the later books, but in the early books, the inside cover would always have uh, some diagrams and some explanations of the technology. So this is set, I would say, in the near future. I don't think it's quite present. And you're seeing some of the futuristic equipment that they're using uh, down at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, yes. I, and, and there's little bits and pieces of it that, I really like like the the little submersible suits and submersibles that they go in. You know, typically what you see when you see underwater craft, they look like a sub. They're like long and elongated, uh, longitudinal. But the 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 craft that Kent's designed is they're more vertical, and they're kind of shaped like a seed. So they have a pointy top and a pointy bottom. They kind of bulge and come down, which you know, I've got a I've got a background in in fluids and everything, and you know, I had to in my one of my jobs, I had to deal with like air pressure and water pressure and everything a lot, and that makes sense for being at the bottom of the ocean because at that point, you've got the pressure of the water, the mile or however much of water above you, so you want to be aligned vertically, not horizontally, and I thought that was a kind of a neat little way of designing the craft and the equipment and the other things they're doing, you know, in that plane, because you usually don't see that. Yeah. Yeah, I think he seems to have done some research on, you know, I'm not sure what his background might be in any kind of scientific endeavors, but yeah, he, he simply has done some research if he needed to on this, because you you don't feel that he's, anything he's done is a misstep or, or out of out of sync with what a real scientific expedition would be. Okay, so so let's let's discuss this here for a second here, Jay. So we've talked about so he's doing his own art and we've kind of got the feelings that, you know, all his different panels are deliberate in how they're drawn. He's kind of, you know, built this world, built this background, um He's put little things in, like you said, the 24 squares to kind of indicate the issues and everything. You know, I've talked about how he's kind of designed the equipment and all that. How much time do you think like a reader or a writer puts in developing this world for a story, you know, before, you know, before he pitches it to like Dark Horse or, or somebody and, or starts writing something? 
because you know I you know my impression I don't know if it's like a lot of people sometimes you just get an idea in your head and you just start writing with it fully fleshed out and I know that can't be the case but with with something this deliberate I mean is this something you think that he's he's spent years or you know this is from like you know a story from you know something he had in his head for 10 years and it's been gestating there while he's been doing other stuff or it's like hey I need to I've got this kernel of an idea and he, you spend six months and flesh it out yeah, I, I, it's, boy, that's hard to say. Especially with Kent, because with Kent, I mean, it seems like between Kent and Lemire, they're writing 90% of the comics that are being written today. I mean, they're both so damn prolific. You know, my first gut feeling is, as much as they're writing, or let's just stay with Kent, as much as Kent's writing, and as consistent and consistently good as it seems, it can't just be stuff he's just making up as he goes along. No. He's got to have thought this out. I mean, it's just, it's too good to, at least in my opinion, you know, all this right. It's, it's too well structured, too well honed. So I do know that I heard an interview with him on another podcast recently, and they asked him about Grass Kings, which is another book he's writing right now. But I think he's finished the first five issue arcs on that. Yeah, and that's for, and I remember, that's for Boom, right? Yeah, that's for Boom. I remember him saying that that is something he had been thinking about for quite a while. That And he'd actually originally was going to draw it himself. And then the opportunity came along for him to work with Tyler Jenkins. Yes. Um Opportunity came along for him to work for Tyler Jenkins, and he said, oh, "That's hey, that's great." So I know yeah, I will, on that I case, I will say the art in that that is really watercolor based. <laughs> yeah, it's it, Tyler Jenkins' work. His art is kind of reminiscent of Kent's. It's not doesn't look the same, but I look at that and I look at something like Department H, and I can see similar sensibilities. In other words, if you like Kent's art, I think you'll like Tyler Jenkins' art. Um, I don't know that the reverse would be t- necessarily true, but uh, I don't know. My my gut reaction to what you're saying was, I think this is something he spent a lot of time thinking about and developing. So, so do you think they are happening in the same worlds, like um, mind management and um, Department H? And I think isn't he writing Ether? Ether, yeah. Ah, which is that on hiatus? Just to just to segue the um, the think- a little bit. I think he, that, like Grass Kings, I think he's doing what's fairly typical among a lot of independents, writing an arc, then taking a two, three-month hiatus, and then coming up with a second arc. Well, but then that comes back to it. If 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 you've had this idea germinating for a while, and you've been thinking about it and you got all the back world, then shouldn't you have a lot of it already in the can? True, but you're also looking at Working with another artist. Okay, I'll give you another example. Back to Lemire in Descender. Lemire is well ahead in writing Descender, but he has to let Dustin Nguyen, the artist, catch up <laughs> with him. So he writes, basically, they're doing an arc at a time. Uh, you know, he, he writes an arc, he lets, and then hands it off, and then Dustin Nguyen, the illustrator, works on the artwork, and while he's doing that, Kent's writing, or Lemire's writing the next arc. 
or two. And so he can get, and I, I don't know if that's a similar way with what Kent's doing. Well, you can't say he's doing that in Department H because Kent's doing the artwork. So, but I don't know. I don't know if that's. Well, it sounds like Black Mask could take some uh, direction from them. Uh, the, uh, well, Black Mask. <laughs> <laughs> I rail enough on Black Mask, so. Oh, but, you know, for <laughs> just going another uh, tangent, I think one of their books just got optioned for a movie or a HBO series or something here in the, in the past day or two. I haven't heard that. I'll have to go look. Uh, well, that, I think Black. Oh, yes. And actually, uh, actually, I want to think something about Cal Exit. Cal Exit would not surprise me. I know of what Black Mask has done. That has been one of the most touted books. In other words, it's gotten a lot of press. Yes. So if they're, if they're smart, they better meet a pretty decent, reasonable schedule on that. Because <laughs> if they, they put out two, three issues and then nothing comes out for eight months, they're really... Have screwed the pooch with that because people will just lose interest. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, all right. So back to Department H. Um, so we've talked about the art. We've kind of talked about the story, some background on Kent and everything. Um, any speculation on you know kind of where it's going or any any thoughts? Ah. Uh... No, not really. Um, I mean, eventually, it's like they're gonna they're, they're gonna figure out who the murderer is or whatever. And and I'm still I'm still confused because I I think there's a virus going on or some yes. plague. But you all you know is there is it like a is it a T virus? Have they, there's a T something or a T cell? They're either trying to find or prevent. Which if you start talking to T stuff, I think that reminds me of like wasn't that what was the what was in Resident Evil what caused all the <laughs> I think so. Whatever's in that, so I, I hope he's not, you know, taking a variation of that. But but that's the one thread that I'm just so confused on in Department H because there's all these hints and subtleties about this virus. But I think there's no question that there is one. But as to the exact nature of it and what's going on and the involvement of this Department H crew. There really hasn't been much been said. And I'm almost, at this point, I'm almost to the point where I'm not really caring if they ever find the murder or not. I really don't. <laughs> uh, it'd be interesting, but it, it's not, it's not, a, it's not one of those things I'm looking at and it's like, okay, come on, come on, come on, let's get to this. We need to find this out. It's not a burning question that's bugging me to know the answer to. Well, for those of us that like all the loose ends tied up eventually, though, I, I, I think I will have to have the murderer. If there was a murder, you may, you know, again, all this may go through and you find out, yes, it was an accident. True. I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to let it play out. And I'm not getting impatient with it. Okay. So, I don't know. We get, I think we give it two thumbs up on all this. Yes, absolutely. I, I highly, highly right. recommend it. You know, whether you only get to trade paperback and go hunt floppies, I don't think. Well, I take that back. I would almost say. Oh, maybe I'm mixing up with mind management. I was about to say the the earlier ish floppies may not be that expensive, but I think they they some of them went up because of some movie or TV show news. But I think that was mind management. I think it got options so. a couple of weeks ago. But you know, with that said, that may cause other speculators to kind of go out and start looking at Kent's other works. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll look at his Valiant work and they'll put some more uh, Valiant movie speculation out there. <laughs> uh, I'm, again, another thing I'm not going to comment because I just talked about ad nauseum and amongst our friends on Facebook about when or if there'll ever be a Valiant film. But. You know, well, we could dive into, we could fan cast uh, Department H, but I, I think some of some people would like turn us off at that point. Uh, no, there's, there's a, I know. Two people that are, are better at fan casting than I am. So, hey, I fan cast whenever I see the movie, and I I kind of see the actors. It's like you know what they picked a good one there. That's that's kind of the extent of my fan casting as well. <laughs> okay, so maybe we're done here with Department H. Uh, it's a good read. It's out there. It's readily available. It's uh, issues are still coming back, so it's not resolved. So if you do go get them, uh, you're not going to be able to read through the whole story quite yet. And we're only guessing through some uh, good observation by Jay on what, how long we think the series is going to be. Yes. And I will say, one of the things I like, and the, he did, they did this with Mind Management too, This Dark Horse, these hardcover editions are really well done, and they're pretty reasonably priced, nineteen ninety nine For six issues? For six issues, yeah. And let's see, a floppy is about three ninety nine, so let's say four bucks. So yeah, okay, yeah, you're saving well, a bit of money. And a, you find a standard paperback trade is fifteen, sometimes sixteen. So it's it's not it's pretty reasonably priced. And there's two volumes out. The first twelve issues. Around. So if that's another way, if you want to go, if you don't necessarily want to buy the yeah and individual books, and kind of like we were talking, the it's it's kind of fast-paced, there's not a lot of reading in it. There's not a lot of ex- exposition. There are some moments when you've got Mia reminiscing and there's some exposition there, but um, those go for a page or two. And then it's just like action, action, action. So I think the I think the trade paperback or the hardbacks collected volumes will be easy to get through in a short amount of time. Yeah, which, uh, haven't you said that, the one thing that even approaches a criticism from me on the production of this book is the lettering is kind of small, which may not bother you, but for those of us that are rapidly approaching the age 56, it can be a little bit... Well, I have to put my readers on well, for that. I, I put my readers on, but I I confess I have to put my readers on for any uh, comic I'm reading when I've got my contacts in. I will say, well, with my contacts in, I got readers. With my contacts out, I can read fine. Actually, I have no a special whatsoever. No, it's mine. I, I've got, I wear a standard progressive lens glasses, but I can't read for any length of time. I have to use a special pair of reading glasses to read comics or anything. For that. So I, I'm the same way. I understand. <laughs> All right. So go out and get mind management. Give it a read. Uh, we highly recommend it. So. Um, what else are you reading? I mean, I think last time, last episode we just kind of ended uh, with the damned. Didn't give any indications of what we we're going to talk about next. And I know some people like to listen to podcasts and kind of uh, read along, get some comments and all that. So you can forgive us for that. Um, I don't know if we've had anything. We don't have anything picked out right now. But in the next 10, 15 minutes, we may let everybody know. And we may pick something that we're going to do for episode five. So what are you currently reading, Jay? Well, uh, a lot of stuff. A couple things in particular. Um, one is called Bullwhip, and it's from the imprint All Time Comics, which is from Fanagraphics. 
which is a series that's four right now titles that Fantagraphics is putting out under this imprint All Time Comics, and it's their take on superheroes. And if you know anything about Fantagraphics, you know that they're very <laughs> non-traditional. This is the publisher that puts out Love and Rockets. And so these comics are superhero, but they're very... First of all, the production on them is that they're trying to make these look and feel like Bronze Age comic books. They're on newsprint, pretty high-quality newsprint, but the coloring is very basic. Are they a dollar fifty? No, they're not. They're not. Unfortunately, they're three ninety-nine. <laughs> but Both I'm intrigued enough to at least to get a couple of them. But in, on the back page is a page full of ads, just like you saw back in the seventies and eighties, with um, the you know the bronze, the t- bronze age, the X-ray vision glasses, the the submarine, um, and there was something else I remember in those. Uh, sea monkeys. Yeah, nothing quite that strange. I mean, they're, they're, but they're looks like they're advertisements for other comic book shops or things. But they're done in those old style, like just like those ads. But this is pretty interesting. But it's very, it's a modern take. Like in this bullwhip, that's the name of this uh, superhero character, a female who has a bullwhip. See, and you can let your imagination run where you want to on that. and But she's facing off in this first issue with against a, the villain called the misogynist. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is so fantagraphics. Um, whose secret desire is to be beaten by women. So. <laughs> All right. Um, so if Paul Tessner is listening, he's already turned off on this. He's already put this that I'm not reading that, I'm sure. So. But... Um, well, you got, uh, that's an, you got that in your DCBS, right? Yeah. So you didn't have to have the uh, uh, any LCS owners giving you the disapproving looks of your choice of comics. No, but the one I go to is fairly progressive. I mean, <laughs> I haven't asked for Unleash yet, so. Ah, uh, yes, I guess I ought to share that. So I think you made some. You we were kind of discussing some stuff, and I've heard of Amigo comics, and so I kind of went to go pick up some of those and try some of those earlier this week. Um, and I found two out of the three we discussed. So, uh, one of them I found three out of the four issues of Roman Ritual, which I actually found very interesting. Um, basically the premise is in the first issue, you find out that the Pope has become possessed by a demon and they're trying to exercise it before it cracks the whole foundation of Christianity. And so you kind of go through how how that all happened and how that could happen and the repercussions of that. So, you know, I guess innocent enough. Um, The other book I found is I found the first issue of Unleashed, or actually Unleashed, and this is by Amigo Comics. And, you know, I was in the LCS, and these came out in 2015, 2016, so they're not on the rack. So if you're going to find them, they're going to be in their... Uh, long boxes and this one place that I kind of go to the independent stuff that's not the DC or the Marvel they just kind of all throw together and it, they got it in alphabetical order by all the U's are in the U but they're not organized so you know I asked about the book and he kind of gave me a look and it was and he kind of commented on that oh we didn't realize what that was and we never ordered anything after issue issue one because it has a gimp in it <laughs> 
is, is what he said. Now, at the time, I didn't know if there was or not in it. Um, it's an interesting read. Um, I was a little apprehensive after hearing this. This, I mean, and this place has got a lot of stuff. Lots of stuff, right? I mean, they get the zombie tramp and, you know, the one, you know, the xenoscopes. So they've got all that stuff in it. Um, it's not as, I don't think they have anything along the lines of Faust from the 80s. I accidentally opened up a copy of that once and never again. Uh, there are some stuff out there that I I just I have no desire to read or try, and Faust was one of them. But it's not that bad, and once you get through the story, you kind of understand what's going on. It is adult situations, but it's an interesting take on it. And um, I don't know about you, Jay, but I do like to kind of get out of my comfort zone, and I do like to kind of challenge you know, my per, my preconceived notions of things. Oh, I do. Absolutely. In fact, that's, you know, I require that. I'm not, you know, if I, if I read just basic, you know, stuff with just stereotypical tropes, I'm, I get bored pretty quickly. Yeah. So, so Unleash will definitely um, fit that. So I've only got the first issue. I uh, may try to track it down. It's been 2015. I don't know if Amigo Comics does trade paperbacks. Or collected editions. I don't know. I haven't been to their website recently. But, you know, and you know, our, and that's kind of the thing. It's like, I think for the issues, we've kind of talked about Oni Press. We've done Dark Horse. Uh, we've done some others. Um, and, you know, Jay and I have been talking, and we kind of want to get to more some small press books. And so this is, you know, that's why I'm kind of picking up some stuff of this. Uh, Jay's doing some others. I think we're both kind of picking up some vault comics. Yes. Um, I think I've got everything that they've put out so far. I haven't got what they've put out this week yet. Um, I think Spiritus came out this week. I got that. Um, and I picked up the ones that came out last week. Alien Bounter, Bounty Hunter and Zoacan. Or I don't know how to pronounce Yeah, I was going to let you pronounce that. So, you know, I've, actually, <laughs> I've actually got those also. So, you know, maybe we might do either a, and I've got all a, series, a series from... Um, vault or maybe we'll just kind of do a general walk through through several of their uh their books and i've got all the issues for failsafe too did failsafe 4 come out i thought it was delayed because i could not find it i think it's out i'm not sure i almost certainly came out was there another uh amigo you had besides unleash and roman ritual uh i was trying to find straight jacket and i couldn't find it that's another one I wanted to see. Yeah, that really really intrigued me. I haven't I've been able to find copies of any of those. Well, maybe when I or, get or, or at a price that I was willing to pay. I found them on eBay, but I'm not paying what they're wanting for. Yeah, I'm on Amigo's site, and all I see is single issues. Oh no, there's trade paperbacks. So it looks like they do do trade paperbacks. So maybe that's the the route to go with some of this Amigo stuff. You know, I want to think I remember seeing Amigo back in the '80s, but I I can't remember. I don't know either. I, it's not a name that's familiar to me until, was it Martin, I think, is when it clued me in on it. Yeah, there's 1495 trade paperbacks on Amigo's site, so that may be the route to go for some of this. Sounds good. I'll have to look at it closer. Scout Comics is another that I'm interested in. I've got... Uh, the first four issues of a title called Fish Eye, 
I haven't read them yet, but they're very intriguing. And just this week, I got the first trade for another title that looked interesting called Hinch Girl by Kristen Goodsnuck. And that's an Amigo, which, right? It's No, it's a Scout oh, Comics, scout. but it's, this is un, unusual. It's Scout Comics, but this first trade collection is published by Dark Horse. Oh, really? So I don't... <laughs> I don't think it's moving. I think they're still giving out new issues under Scout, but for some reason this uh, trade was collecting. And the artwork for Hench Girl is very manga-influenced. And I'm, But I've heard some, read some good things about it, but it's kind of the book, you kind of give it, give it a... you got to go into it with an open mind, because if you flip through and just look at the art, you think, oh, this is... this was drawn... this was made for teenage girls, but... <laughs> I've I've heard enough good things about it. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna read it. Yeah, uh, after I bought the damn thing. And I think we were talking earlier. Um, there's a new Oni Press book coming out, and this is a shout out to to Martin. Um, another zombie book, but it's called Dead of Winter. But you're following along with a former former uh, dog actor that hates zombies. And is helping the, the survivors survive the zombie apocalypse. But I think you're seeing it per, from the perspective of this former television star dog. So it is, I don't know why I'm not usually a zombie guy, but this this intrigues me. And it's also based on a tabletop RPG game. Right. So you got zombies, RPG game based, and it's a famous actor dog. Yeah, that. Cause I'm I'm same way. I am so tired of anything zombie. Well, all right. Uh, well, we've given you some recommendations on you know kind of what we're reading, what we may be doing in the future. I think we kind of talked about doing Echo. So, and I believe Paul has shelved comics in black and white for a little while. So I think you're getting copies of Tyrant, Jay. So what do you think we might do for the next? You've you've kind of got your books that you've got in. You've kind of know and I've read some other things what do we what do we want to do we want to piss we want to piss off Aaron and do like three whole more episodes of Terry just Terry Moore <laughs> I don't know about three consecutive but uh, we can do that we've got to do uh, we've got to get into Catalyst Prime here so oh, yes soon. yes I think the third series in that universe has started what was that uh, yeah superb superb number one is out so what's the first one Okay, Noble. Noble, it was Noble. That was it. It was Noble. Then Excel. Four, there's four issues of out of that. There's two issues of Excel. Out of Excel and one of Superb. Yep. And I think what is it? They're releasing one. They're staggered. They got eight titles, or is it seven titles? They're going to stagger each month. So we're up to month three, and so next month will be in the fourth one, and then they'll keep going. And I think they're actually going to do them in like four issue or five issue arcs. So they'll do three or four issues, take a break, and do the next arc. From what I understand, it's going to be something on. It, it, it seems like pretty aggressive, though, to, to to come out with eight books in your new universe just within eight months. Yeah, by the end of the year, they're going to be, I think, have eight titles. Yep. Right. And I think that they they also put out some other books that aren't even related to this universe. There's some of them are. Um, licenses but they've got their some of their own independent stuff there's another lion's forge book and it's not part of any universe that 
looks interesting. I may try out. It's called Ghost Money. And it looks like a sort of a espionage kind of, uh, you know, high stakes, uh, you know, business espionage type of work. It seemed intriguing when I read it in preview. Oh, okay. So I may look at that as well. Yeah, and at some point, I guess we might have an episode where we just kind of go through a, the, whatever the current issue of, of um, previews and just kind of see what piques our interest and maybe our mind about, like, if we're looking at stuff and the solicits kind of what, you know, kind of our thinking of, like, oh, you know, I think this is interesting and this is why. Yes, I think I would like to do that. But, you know, that could be interesting. So, you know, going through previews, you know, you can you can sit down and spend a couple of hours in previews. Oh, easy. Easily. <laughs> So, all right, Jay, I, I think that's going to do it for this episode tonight. I think we might just sign off and get, you know, prepping for our next one. So, um, we're going to do Echo, Catalyst Prime, one of these Amigos, something you've picked up. What, what do you, what do we want to pick? Uh, gosh. Sorry to put you on the spot. Episode five. No, no, I'm just, <laughs> episode five, let's, let's go ahead and try to get, Catalyst Prime. Okay, let's, let's do Catalyst Prime. I think we talked about maybe having Martin on that. We'll see if it goes with his schedule. If not, there's no way I don't think we can do all of Catalyst Prime in one episode. So, No, I, I'm looking more at just sort of a intro to it. And that, that's something I would like to do is pretty regularly, at least, you know, an episode on Catalyst Prime every couple of months at least, sort of catch up with it. Yes. I don't re I don't see a reason why we shouldn't or couldn't. So nope. So is that all we got tonight, Jay? That's that's all I've got. All right. Well, we'll be signing off. Um. So, I uh, guess we will see you next episode. But yes, thanks for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again. Good night. Good night. That wasn't terrible. That was pathetic. Ooh. Nerdy Legion. <laughs>